If you're a writer who has taken a workshop in the past, or maybe you're signed up to take a workshop in the future, or maybe you're just curious about the best ways to get the most out of a creative writing workshop, this episode is for you. Hello, and welcome to the Groovy Writer Podcast, where we explore how to find your writing groove, regardless of your circumstances. I'm your host, author and MFA instructor, Nicole McGinnis. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast and thanks for tuning in. As I mentioned in the intro to each episode of the podcast, I'm not only an author, In my non-writing time, I am an MFA instructor. MFA, for those of you who don't know, stands for Master of Fine Arts, and I am an instructor in an MFA creative writing program. Not all writers, of course, take the academic path, but MFA is pretty common for those who do and for those who want to do graduate work in whichever realm of the writing world they choose to place their focus. Today, I want to really dive into that part of my expertise because writing workshops are a hallmark of just about any MFA program. I spend untold hours every week in writing workshops, really facilitating them, teaching them. So that leads us to today's episode, 10 Steps to Get the Most Out of a Writing Workshop. So our focus in this episode is going to be on you, the writer, receiving feedback on your work. Of course, the second half of just about any writing workshop is you providing feedback to the other writers. But today, just in the interest of time, I don't want this to end up being a two-hour long episode, we're going to focus on those 10 steps that you can take to really maximize your ability to improve the writing that you've submitted to that workshop. And these steps really apply to writing workshops of all kinds. Even if you're not in an MFA program or you're not in an undergraduate creative writing program, these steps apply to everything from, say, a one-day local writing workshop at your local library. I know my library has those, and I think that's fabulous. To writing groups, maybe you're part of a writing group, a non-academic group that meets regularly and swaps stories. To, of course, writing groups in any academic setting, high school, undergraduate, graduate. These are the main steps that writers sometimes struggle with, and so they're the ones that I believe are sort of the foundation for having a successful workshop experience as a writer. So let's just dive right in. Step one, and again, some of these details will change a little bit depending on the type of workshop, you know, a one day as opposed to an eight or 12 week MFA course, for example. But step one is know your workshop date. So know the date you're expected to have a piece of writing. Make sure you can either create something new in that time that is going to be a quality product, and we're going to talk more about that later. And if you don't think you can, because you definitely don't want to cobble something together at the last minute, trust me on this, if you don't think you can, see if you don't have a piece of older writing that you could use for that workshop that you can maybe clean up a little bit before the workshop date arrives. It goes without saying that you should be absolutely certain that what you're planning to submit to the workshop fits the workshop requirements. What do I mean by that? So some writing workshops are wide open. I've been in these and they can be great fun. So they welcome 
everything from nonfiction to poetry to fiction, everything in between. So you get a really interesting blend of workshop submissions. And that can be, like I said, it can be great. It can be fun. It can be a little scattered. Um, but that's one way workshops tend to go. Other writing workshops tend to be more rigid. So they're very genre specific or category specific. So for example, maybe you're only supposed to submit sci-fi pages or young adult fiction or flash fiction or poetry. You really are doing both yourself and the other workshop participants a disservice if you show up to the workshop with pages that are completely outside the scope of what's intended. So definitely double check that and make sure that what you have fits the workshop in question. Step two, once you've determined which pages you want to use for workshop, if they're already existing pages, say a rough draft of something that you have, or if you have an entirely new idea, write the best thing. I was going to say story, but it might not be a story. It might be a nonfiction piece. It might be a poem. Write the best thing that you possibly can, which means write as far in advance of the workshop as you can. This gets back to step one, know your workshop date. I will tell you it's not uncommon for me to see students, even at the graduate level, not going to call anyone out here, but I will sometimes, occasionally, it's not uncommon, but it's also not super common, thankfully. Occasionally, they will just admit to writing something at the last minute, even if maybe they had six weeks before their workshop date, you know, from the start of the course. So they had all this time to do it, but they'll submit something and say, hey, I threw this together last night. You know, not my best work, but tell me what you think. I think sometimes if I can sort of switch into psychologist mode here, I think sometimes this is a defense mechanism. I think it's often a defense mechanism. Submitting anything to a writing workshop, I'll talk a little bit about this in a later step, but it can be very vulnerability inducing. It's scary. Writing is personal. And when we put it out there, it can make us feel very vulnerable. So I do think it can be a little bit of a defense mechanism to say, ah, I just threw this together. It's not my best work. And, you know, don't expect anything of it. Don't expect it to be good. But regardless of why a writer might do that, I think it's disrespectful to the other people in the workshop. And it, I think it's disrespectful to yourself. And you're probably not going to get meaningful feedback on that piece because it's been created in such a shallow way. So again, step two, write the best story you can or the best poem or the best article, whatever it is. Step three, don't just write the best piece you can, but revise and edit it as thoroughly as possible up to the point of the workshop. By doing that, you're helping to ensure that the feedback you're going to get will be as applicable as possible to that piece. I know some writers will tend to think, you know, the draft is okay. It's got a bunch of typos. I have verb tense changes all over the place and it's not really consistent, but I'm going to revise later. I want to know what people have to say about my idea or my content in general. The problem is if you're submitting something that is sloppy, whether it's in revision or editing, even punctuation, it can really tend and will really tend to pull the reader out of the story. You know, have you ever had that experience where you're reading something and you're thinking, oh, this is kind of cool. This is kind of cool. And then all of a sudden things just go completely sideways. Either there are just glaring punctuation issues or general language usage issues. It makes a person tend to kind of go Ugh, and pull back a little bit. I don't think it's a snobby thing. I think it's just a, wow, this writer didn't put that much care into 
these pages. So as a, let's say, a workshop participant providing critique on this, why should I care? Why should I really dig deep to get really insightful and provide the best feedback possible? I hope that makes sense. But I think it's an almost subconscious thing that happens when we're reading. And I have seen pages at every point along the sloppiness spectrum. And I can tell you those pages, even if they have issues, which all writing does, all writing workshop pages will have issues. It is just the way it is. It's those pages where the readers can tell that that writer, even though there are issues, that writer really dug deep and tried. They really put forth the effort to put the best product out there for their workshop submission. Those are the pages that time and time and time again, really invariably, get the highest quality critiques. It's almost like as readers, we rise to the level of effort that the writer put into those pages. Whereas someone submits a really sloppy kind of half-assed group of pages to workshop, as an undergraduate myself, as a graduate student myself, as an MFA instructor now myself, I look at those and I go, Okay, well, yeah, we can provide feedback, but there's not a lot to work with here. So don't just write the best story you can, revise and edit as thoroughly as possible. Again, knowing there will still be some issues, but let's not make them just blatant and gratuitous. Step four, I touched on this a little bit just a couple minutes ago, but it's sort of a self-reminder. And it's this, understand that putting any creative work out there in a workshop situation really can bring up all sorts of feelings of vulnerability. It can bring up a bout of imposter syndrome, which writers tend to struggle with fairly commonly anyway. It can bring up defensiveness, maybe. It really depends a lot on each writer's personality, each writer's view of their own writing, each writer's level of experience in receiving critique. Regardless, I think it's important to remember that it's really normal to experience these things. Let's face it, as writers, we spend so much time alone in that cocoon of creativity that I've talked about in other episodes that it can really, I think, be a bit of a shock to the system to suddenly put the work out there. And I think it can be especially vulnerability inducing when we're sharing our work with other writers. So it's easy to share it with, say, a friend or a family member who they'll read it for us, but we're not super worried that they're going to judge us because A, they're a friend and or a family member, or B, they're not super into the written word. So that kind of cushions the feedback a little bit, which by the way, will typically be, this is great. You're so talented. I love your work. So take it with a grain of salt. And by the way, friends and family members who have read my stuff, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm not dissing friends and family members, just everybody know that. Um, but from the writer's perspective, when we share our work with others who are in those trenches with us, who some of them may be better writers than we are, if you're in a good quality workshop, hope that other writers are more experienced, more skilled, maybe more naturally talented than you, because those are the ones who are going to help you grow. But still, this stuff can come up and it can be scary. I've had writers just about freeze in terror at the thought of putting their work out there. And again, sometimes the response to that is, oh, I'll just throw something really sloppy out there. It's a defense mechanism. We're trying to protect the delicate fifis. And I don't think we should deny those feelings, but I'm also of the firm belief that we should not let those feelings stop us from sharing our work in order to get better, in order to grow, and in order to increase our own ability to self-edit. It's super, super important to let other talented writers look at our work and to be able to sort of withstand critique. So again, don't deny these feelings, but don't let them stop you. And incidentally, this is why steps two and three are so important. Those steps to write the best story 
where you can and to revise and edit as thoroughly as possible because when we know that we've created the strongest draft of a story possible at that point, even though we know it still needs revision, when we know we've done this, we will tend to go into workshop sessions with A, more confidence, even if we still feel vulnerable, and B, with more openness to those suggestions for improvement that are coming from our fellow writers. Speaking of increasing our own ability to self-edit, which is one of the great benefits of doing creative writing workshops on a regular basis. Step five, know where you think the strengths and weaknesses of the pages you're submitting for the workshop lie. Let me take a quick little side road here. I actually encourage my students when they submit pages for their assigned workshop date to feel free to share the specific feedback you might be looking for. Share what you think are the strengths and weaknesses, and they can pretty much take this in any direction. Some students choose to just let the pages speak for themselves. Other students will say, hey, here's where I've been struggling with this. Here are the parts I really like, but I'm not sure that they really work, etc. But knowing where you think the strengths and weaknesses of the piece as it stands lie can be a really good way to start to, this is going to be a strange term, but start to calibrate your objectivity when it comes to your own writing. So in other words, you go into a workshop, you submit your piece, you haven't received any feedback on it yet, but when you have a solid sense of what you think is wrong with it and is right with it, and then you do get that feedback, especially from the writers you really respect and admire and you trust their feedback, you can start to calibrate your own objectivity on your writing by going, okay, how close is what I thought were some of the issues to what these folks think are some of the issues? Does that make sense? So let's say you have a very experienced, maybe, uh, you know, traditionally published many times over author in your writing group, your local writing group, for instance. And not only are they a great writer, but they're very insightful about other workshop participants work. When you get that person's feedback, which can be scary, but when you get their feedback and what they're saying kind of lines up with what you were already sensing as a writer, as the writer of that piece, that can be very validating. And it can really, as I said, help you calibrate your objectivity. So you know, moving forward, working on other pieces even, that you're pretty on target regarding the issues in your own work. And that is something that I think all writers should work to develop. It's not just about throwing something out there and hoping it sticks. It's about quality control that starts with you as the writer. So for instance, what do I mean by knowing the strengths and weaknesses? You might think, for instance, I wonder if there are some continuity issues you can all provide feedback on if you see them. Maybe you have a complex storyline and you wonder, are you getting lost as a reader? Maybe there's different narrators. That's something I'm a big fan of doing in my own writing. Or maybe just the storyline. And I see this a lot with fantasy novels in particular. They can be very complex. Lots of characters, lots of action, lots of different species and different storylines. And so fantasy writers are often great at saying, hey, let me know if you can follow what's happening, even though I'm in different realms and kingdoms, etc. in these first pages. You might wonder if your characters or your main character is compelling and believable enough to make the reader want to keep turning pages. Hey, is this interesting? Is this grabbing your attention as a reader and keeping your attention as a reader, which is one of the big issues I see in opening pages, say the first chapter of a novel that's submitted to a workshop. And I'm not going to go down that road because that's a whole nother episode, but there are really endless possibilities. So know what you think are the strengths and weaknesses of the piece at this point. I definitely, and this gets back to not submitting something sloppy, I definitely generally advise a 
against seeking proofreading feedback. Like, hey, let me know where you see punctuation issues or if I swap verb tenses from past to present. It's not that that's bad, but I think it's a little, tends to be a little bit of a waste of time. Those are fine-toothed comb editing issues that you're going to need to deal with eventually if you send this out for publication, for instance. Some workshop participants, by the way, will be the proofreaders in the group who will tend to highlight those anyway. But in general, I would say try to keep your requests for certain types of feedback as meaty as possible. I also think, though, it's okay to let your readers know about your specific individual level of comfort when it comes to receiving feedback. In the workshops I teach, it's not at all uncommon for some writers in the group to say, here are my pages, please rip them to shreds. Do not treat them with kid gloves. I want to know what sucks and what is excellent, if there's anything excellent. While other writers might be on the other end of the spectrum and say something like, please be gentle. I did my best. So I don't think you're compelled to do that as a writer, but it's okay. If you're especially nervous about getting feedback, or you're especially concerned that people might be too nice, or wherever you fall on that axis, eh, it's okay to let people know. Also, though, know that there's no guarantee that the other workshop participants will heed your request. So even if you say, rip it to shreds, you might still unfortunately get too much feedback that says, this is really good. I really liked it. Hopefully not, but it does happen. And I do see that sort of thing happen more in beginning workshops, workshops that are primarily geared toward more beginning writers, because there's a sense of authority that's lacking there. And that's okay. That's fair. But in the more advanced workshops you're in, the more you're going to tend to see people be straightforward. They're more experienced writers. They know that that's the feedback that benefits them. And so they're going to tend to, in general, provide that sort of feedback, which can be great. For those of you who do have concerns about receiving specifically feedback that's too harsh, I will just say this. A good workshop leader, facilitator, teacher will shut down any overly harsh feedback. What do I mean by overly harsh? Feedback that really offers nothing constructively to help the writer improve the piece. Feedback like, this is horrible. It's the worst thing I've ever read. I literally wish I could get those 20 minutes of my life back. That's just rude and obnoxious. And any good facilitator or the other writers in the workshop are going to see that and they're going to shut that down. So obviously, anyone who provides that kind of feedback in a writing workshop, there are issues there that have nothing to do with the writing probably. I see that so rarely, if ever. And I think when I did see it, it was back in my own undergraduate days. It's really not something to worry about. But just in case you're nervous about that, do remember, though, that different people have different critique styles, as I mentioned a minute ago. So some might be very careful when especially when they see, oh, this person feels very vulnerable. And so I want to be very, very tiptoey and careful about my feedback. But others might just sort of not be rude necessarily, but their style is just to be straightforward and right to the point. Even if you're more of a beginning writer who doesn't feel ready to receive black and white feedback, some in the workshop might provide that. So I do think it's important to always go in with an open mind. And it totally depends on the blend of people in that workshop. But what I just said about the open mind brings us directly to step six. So depending on how the feedback on your writing is going to be delivered, in other words, is this an in-person workshop that meets regularly? Is it a one-day online workshop where you're going to get written feedback on your piece via email, for instance? Regardless of how you are going to receive the actual feedback from the different participants, try to keep an open mind. This can be challenging for many different reasons. It can be challenging if you're particularly protective about your writing. 
And in this case, especially if the workshop is in person or online on like a, a Zoom call or something like that, try to keep your mouth shut while feedback is being delivered. It can be really tough. I remember learning this as an undergraduate that especially when I felt someone hadn't understood the writing or hadn't given it a very careful read, I felt like I just wanted to interject and I wanted to say, no, 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 you got that wrong. But know that that right there is an indication that you need to go have another look, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, and make sure that you're not the one who's actually misseeing something or maybe thought you shared something with the reader that actually was just in your head and you're kind of expecting the reader to read your mind, for instance. So if you're in person or on an online call or session, try to keep your mouth shut while feedback is being delivered. If you're dying to interject, you can do what I used to do in those instances, which I would have a pen and a pad of paper and I would just take notes just sort of plant a smile on the face and just take notes, even if the notes are all work and no play makes Nicole a dull girl, whatever, just to force yourself to not shut down the feedback. And hopefully the feedback is also in writing so that you don't actually have to take notes, you're going to get their notes. But a lot of times in live workshops, people will share verbally things that can be very valuable, by the way, that they don't necessarily have in their written feedback on the pages. So again, I used to do that note taking, trick frequently in creative writing workshops, especially as an undergrad, but occasionally as a graduate student. If your workshop is being held online, as my writing workshops are in the MFA program, they are asynchronous, which means we do not meet for live sessions. I think that would be really cool, but we don't. So basically, the writers for a given workshop date have to submit their pages by, say, Monday of that week. And then by a certain day later in the week, Friday, Saturday, everyone has to have their feedback in. And I tell writers, please do not respond to any feedback until you've actually had a chance to process it. And also until, most importantly, all of the people reading your pages have a chance to post their feedback. Because imagine this, someone is the first to post, and when I say post, I mean they put it in the classroom. They post it as an attachment with some comments, and everyone can see them. So the first person to provide feedback, post their comments, hey, I really like this, here are some issues to look at, you know, see my detailed feedback on the pages themselves, for example, which is commonly how we do it. And then everyone else in the class sees the writer immediately come back with a long diatribe about why that feedback was not correct, it was not targeted, and everyone else who hasn't yet posted their feedback realizes they're going to be in this person's crosshairs. And so they're likely going to not provide honest, super helpful feedback especially regarding issues that they think need some work, because who wants to deal with someone saying, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you didn't read carefully or whatever. It can happen because, as I've mentioned, writing can make us feel vulnerable. And I think often when people feel vulnerable, one of the things they can do is get very defensive and they can even lash out. So by keeping your mouth shut in a live session and or not responding in an online asynchronous workshop situation, you are not just doing everyone else a favor by allowing them to actually provide the feedback that they're feeling, that's their feedback, they have that right, but you are doing yourself a big favor because you're likely going to get much, much better, more comprehensive feedback that way. A side benefit is that making ourselves listen instead of respond gives us as writers a chance to start to process the feedback that's coming in. 
even if we want to jump into the fray and explain or defend, both of which, as I said, I think are human nature. It's amazing how a little bit of time to process or to step away and not even read feedback right away can in the long term be hugely beneficial to our writing and to our overall growth as writers. Step seven, when the time is right and as time allows, again, depending on the modality of the workshop, I encourage my students to always ask for clarification on any feedback that maybe they didn't quite understand, or they just want a little more detail. Maybe they received a piece of feedback where they're going, hmm, this seems important, but I don't really understand what the reader is saying here. So I say, hey, ask for clarification. And most of the time, almost all the time, really, the people providing the critique will be more than happy to expand on their initial comments. So ask for clarification as needed and as workshop rules allow. Definitely avoid, and I, I really spoke about this in step six, but I want to underscore it here. Definitely avoid telling readers that they were wrong, that they misread something. Even if it's true, even if you suspect that they maybe did a lazy read-through of your work, remember, this is another thing that I try to remind, sort of a hallmark principle, I try to remind my students and myself when getting feedback on my work. People reading your work and providing critique, A, are worth their weight in gold, B, they are sharing their individual impressions about the work on that specific day. There is rarely any right or wrong to it. It is their opinion. Just like when you read something, you will have an opinion that will likely differ in some way from someone else's opinion. Just look at any site where there are tons of reviews for a book that you absolutely loved. And I mean, you just think this thing was just, it was high art, it was a masterpiece, it was perfect. And then you see these reviews where people are like, you know, I really didn't like it and here's why. And they're thoughtful reviews. They aren't just trying to be insulting to the author or to the work in question. They actually have pretty serious grounds for their review. It's the same in a workshop. Different people get to have different opinions. And that can be a hard thing to come to terms with as a writer, which leads us directly to step eight, be gracious. As I said, people who are willing to read our work for little to no benefit, other than maybe they're also writers and they get critiques of their work from you in return, are worth their weight in gold. So please thank those people who read your work. Even those, and maybe even especially those who raised points about your work with which you disagree. I cannot tell you how many times I've received feedback on my writing that initially made me balk a little. Like, this is so off base. Did they even read my pages or were they reading something else? Later on down the road, though, after I've had a chance to really digest the comments or kind of let my subconscious work on them a little bit, maybe a month, two months later, I have gone back to some of that feedback that, that initially just really rubbed me the wrong way and realized, wait a minute, I was reading that from a place of defensiveness or whatever it was, and they actually have a really, really good point. And very often I have taken comments like that to heart and made sometimes pretty drastic changes to a piece of writing based on something that I initially didn't want to hear or for whatever reason just wasn't ready to hear. So always be gracious. You never have anything to lose and you potentially have a lot to gain, especially later on when you decide, you know, I, I've written a new thing and I would love it if that person would take a look at it. You will be very happy you did not burn that bridge by giving them the death glare across the workshop table as they were sharing their feedback, for example. 
<laughs> okay, step nine. So while I've stressed the importance of open-mindedness in all the previous steps, most of the previous steps, I also think it's important to remember this key prerogative that you have as the writer of the work in question. I've actually mentioned it once before, but I want to make it official by making it step nine. Take what you can use and leave the rest. So when it comes to critique on our work, remember any feedback that you receive is simply that reader's impression of those particular pages on that particular day. Doesn't mean it's not valuable, it just means it's subjective to a certain extent. So take what you can use and leave the rest. As I said, some of that feedback that you initially don't like, that you initially don't find helpful, you might really change your mind about that later on. But at some point, you're going to realize what is helpful feedback for this particular piece of writing and what is not. And as the writer, you get to decide that. Here's the big caveat with this. I have repeated this so, so many times to students over the years. If more than one reader mentions the same issue or type of issue, it's very smart for you as the writer to go back and at least have another look at it. It doesn't mean you have to change whatever it is based on the feedback, but typically if at least two people have kind of honed in on the same thing that tripped them up, go back and have another look. Don't be too proud to do that. And finally, this brings us to step 10, which is really a post-workshop point, but it's still connected. So I'm going to put it in with these steps. Let the feedback that you received in that workshop percolate. Don't make snap judgments. So just as it's important, and we all know this as writers at a certain level of experience, all of us learn this, it's important to step away from the writing between drafts. You don't want to just go from draft one and then the next day immediately to draft two. We've discovered, those of us who have been at this a while, that getting a decent draft hammered out and then just putting it away for a week, several weeks, a month, several months, however long it may be for you, you're able to come back to it with fresh eyes. I discuss this in my revising and editing episodes for anyone who's interested in having a look at those. But coming back to something with fresh eyes can be very, very valuable. The same goes for critiques on a piece of writing. So just letting the feedback sit for days or weeks, again, whatever works for you, will undoubtedly increase your objectivity about what was said. So you're coming at it from a less charged attitude. If you were feeling pretty reactive, which does sometimes happen, especially when it's about a piece of writing we really, really care about that came from maybe a deep place, a personal place. It can be a charged situation when we receive feedback, especially feedback that gets kind of personal because the writing is personal. So stepping away can help us to come back with a more objective view about the writing. Don't be surprised if at the end of this rest period, let's call it, you come back to the critiques and to the piece itself after, say, taking a month off from it, just working on other things. Do not be surprised if your mind is just brimming with ideas that you had never before considered when it comes to revising this piece of writing. This can mean anything from changing the main character. You know, hey, I thought Judy was the main character, but it turns out Tom, who was initially a secondary character, is much more compelling. And not only does he need to be the main character, he needs to be my narrator. So anything from that to taking the plot in a different direction than you initially planned. Here again, the possibilities are pretty endless. And while it can be exciting to have all these new ideas, I'm always kind of blown away. Like, how could I not have seen this before? These critiques are really showing me that, wow, there's, there's a whole world of ideas I hadn't considered for what I can do with this story. It can be super exciting, but it can also be pretty overwhelming. So Keep a cool head at this part of the process. Keep cool head, be gentle with yourself, and move forward 
with the next draft, just as you don't want your fear of receiving critique to stop you from submitting pages to a workshop. Don't let your fear of all these new ideas and this new world of possibilities for the piece keep you from diving in to the next draft. And hey, if you're lucky, maybe you'll get to workshop it again down the road after you've made significant improvements. This has turned out to be one of my longest episodes. Now you know why I did not want to address the art of providing quality feedback in a creative writing workshop. Take care, everyone, and happy writing. Thanks for listening to the Groovy Writer Podcast. You can find the podcast on most major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. You can also listen in on YouTube and on my website at NicoleMcInnes.com. Until next time, ride on, Groovy Writers. Ride on.